See, now I'm at the point where I feel like I have to leave a message when Zachary leaves. You know, like even if I don't have something funny to say, which I don't, I feel like I need to leave a message, you know? What do I want to say? This is like the last one of 2022. I'm about to graduate. <laughs> That's on my mind right now. And then, what is the future of the college try? Who knows? <laughs> uh, we'll see. We will see. It finally happened. It finally happened. And you finally bought a Mac, which I was hoping that you would do that since episode one of the College Try, but you finally did it. Hooray. Thank I you. I finally did it. I'm so proud of you. It's been in the works for a long time. So where did we last leave off? I was I was trying to dive into iPad life, I think. Yeah. So you actually didn't say if you were going to buy a Mac, you didn't really say anything. All that happened was I bullied you for buying an iPad because I think iPads are different than computers and people sometimes don't realize that. Yes. That's what happened. Here's what happened. I realized that my iPad was nice and it had a lot of power behind it. Um, it had the M1 chip in it. I mean, it, it was a good, it was a good device. But when I thought about it, I kept running into these issues where I was like, "Well, the keyboard isn't that great, and it's kind of small, and it, I have to do this weird thing where like I tap the screen to do stuff and like." that's not super fun when I'm browsing or when I'm trying to design stuff. Like, I don't know. It just is, it, it, it wasn't ideal. Um, and the re the main reason I got it was because I thought, okay, every creative that I've ever seen has an iPad, which is not, I mean, I'm sure that's not entirely true, but a lot of like creative people do have an iPad. Um, I think mostly just because it's like easier to take notes on and, and do that kind of thing and, you know, sketch things on. But when I, then when I thought about it, I was like, okay, I bought this as a main computing device for me through the rest of college and after college. And it, like, what I realized is that it's just not going to cut it for me. <laughs> like, I, I can't get, I can't get Premiere on it. I can't get, uh, I can't do animating on it. I can't do sound design, like any of that stuff that I'd want to do. Can't do it because it's an iPad. It's not a computer. And you're right. I think that they try to brand it as like a mini computer and it kind of is. But for me, I want to get into the more creative stuff, uh, more applications like that. And an iPad just can't do it. And I, I don't know. I, I think I realized it's all, it's just a tool. And if I'm not willing to dive in and make the tool youth like worth it, I might as well just get rid of it and buy an actual computer. And so that's the conclusion I kind of reached. Honestly, it was like two weeks ago, a week ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. And but I was like, OK, like I can't afford a new computer right now. Like that's just not going to happen. Um, and then I thought, well, OK, if I sold my iPad like that might work, you know, um, and then as literally, it was a super quick turnaround. I found a deal at Best Buy for the new, well, I think it's the 2021 MacBook Pro um, with the, you know, M1 chip and 512, you know, gigabytes of storage. Uh, it's a 14-inch computer, like, looked great. It was like $1,600 at Best Buy, um, which is like $400 off, which is awesome. Um, and then I got my brother, actually, to buy my iPad. <laughs> so Which one? <laughs> 
uh, Sam. Okay. So, and he seems to really be enjoying it. It just worked out like that and got it turned around. This thing shipped on Christmas Eve and I got to open it on Christmas morning, which was really fun. That's awesome. A Christmas yeah. present from you to you. Exactly. And and so, yeah, I I, basi- I bought it. I mean, in my experience, you always get yourself the best Christmas gifts. Yes. Everyone else in their lame $20 gifts, forget that. Me and my <laughs> that multi-thousand dollar thing, that's way better. Thanks, me. That's so nice. Exactly. Exactly. So, anyway, I, I am super excited. I'm still getting used to, like, just, I don't know. It's just, it's a completely different way to do computers and I'm still getting used to it and I don't know I have I have comments I have thoughts <laughs> but we can get into all of that um when I want to hear honestly because I know you're an, an efficient person I want to know <laughs> all of your tricks and your tips and your secrets well I have so many tips and tricks and secrets that it will probably take many many episodes to get through them all I can just give you the few that are pretty good to start off with. Okay. So first of all, things you should buy. I know you've already drained your bank account down to five pennies, but you must listen (laughs) to my advice of things that you should buy once you have this Mac. So you should, first of all, if you only buy one thing, please buy the Pro Apps Bundle for Education, which is $199.99. The reason you should buy the Pro Apps Bundle for Education is that it is Final Cut, Logic, and three programs that nobody cares about. In case you're wondering what those three programs nobody cares about, Motion, which is graphics, 3D graphics, Compressor, which is a Final Cut encoding tool, and MainStage, which is used at Short Oaks Christian Church, and it's sort of a trimmed-down version of Logic almost that just allows you to have live performance tracks and things like that. Nobody cares about those bottom three apps, but those top two apps, Final Cut and Logic, just by themselves, if that's the only thing that was in this pack, it's worth buying. Logic itself normally costs $199.99, and Final Cut Pro normally costs $299.99. So just for the price of Logic, you can get these five apps. Just do it. They, you need If you have a Mac, you need these two apps slash five apps. Wow. Okay. Do it. That's fair. I didn't know. Honestly, I thought that, that you had to do that with the, like when you bought it, you know, kind of like a storage thing, like you couldn't get it afterwards. But I might actually do that. I th- I'm pretty sure you can get it afterwards. Yeah. It, I clicked the link that you sent me and it looks like, if you just add it to the bag, you can just do it. I think on your if you buy it on your Apple ID, then your Apple ID just has those apps linked to it forever. That's how I th- believe it works. That's cool. I might do that. And I think you do have to prove you're a student somehow, but you know, type yeah. in your IU address and you'll be fine. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got to have those two apps. I've given you my Final Cut's okay. Uh, we've talked about this multiple times. I think Premiere is a bit better than Final Cut for a variety of reasons that we won't get into here. Uh-huh. And Logic Pro is pretty much the best digital audio workstation I've used. So you should definitely buy those and get started on your next album or video project. But yeah, just everyone needs those. They're just basic things everyone needs. <laughs> I also think that you should buy another app called Piezo, which is just a simple recorder tool. What, But what it could do, and I selfishly want you to buy this for podcasting, but what it can do is it can record your microphone on one channel and then it can record FaceTime on another channel. And so the left channel of the audio file has your own recording and the right channel has the fa- either FaceTime or Zoom or whatever else. And that comes in handy a ton. So that is super helpful for recording podcasts. Is it, wait, it says free download purchase. Wait. So the free download is a trial where you can do a 10 minute recording, but no longer. And purchases do as much recording as you want. Got it. Interesting. Okay. I'll, yeah. So those are two things to look into. That one does have an educational discount. I don't remember exactly how much it is. Uh, purchase. Let's see. It's $25. It's less with student discount. That's another thing to consider buying. Yeah. But honestly, just put your money toward perhaps bundle for education. Okay. You got to do that. Yeah, for sure. Especially while I'm still a student. Before I give you the things I wish every Mac user knew, tell me what you think about your experience of only a couple of days using it so far. So yeah, 
it's been really again just different like it's very so like i think apple gets a ton of crap from a lot of people about being super expensive and bougie and you pay for the logo you pay for the brand whatever but like as simple as it gets even just the body of the like the metal um and the keyboard like it it feels professional you know what i mean it feels like a professional computer not that so like i've been working with a thinkpad uh i think the model number is w530 (laughs) great catchy name yeah i know right um but it has worked. It's worked really well. And like, it's gotten what I need to do done, you know, but it's a plastic body. Like it's super heavy. The battery is old. And so legit, I can't, I could use it for maybe 15 minutes before I needed to plug it in. So like I have to carry the computer and the battery with me. And it's like, that's like easily 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, with books and stuff. Wait, it's 10 pounds. Oh, oh, with books, with books. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, uh, no, 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 no. I mean, just the computer and the charger is probably 10 pounds because of how big they both are. And then add books to my backpack and it's like, oh boy, that's, it gets heavy. It gets heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just, stepping up from that to this where, oh, I don't know. It's just really, I I feel the difference. I feel the difference um i could see the difference i mean the fingerprint reader is crazy fast the screen is super nice um the trackpad is amazing it's so big and it's like super responsive and super smooth all of the exterior things i love the thing i'm still getting used to is the the guts of it like the the ui i don't i still don't quite understand everything Yeah, that's where I was at for about a year. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I still I mentioned this before you started before we started recording, but um it just feels compared to like my usage on a Windows PC, it feels messy the way that apps show up. So you feel like maybe the window position is like semi random or something? Yes. It feels random. It feels like everything's sloppily like stacked on top of each other in the UI mm-hmm. and you can have like seventeen things open and then you have to like minus your way out of them. Oh, Joe, I've, we, you have a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And like, I just, I think with windows, it's like, okay, here's like a perfect, you know, 90 degree corners box that you're, that you're browsing web in, you know? And I don't know. I think it's maybe the rounded corners on the, on the windows. The fact that it's like the circles in the left-hand corner is weird to me right now. Uh, I show, I'm sure I'll get over that, but, um, and then the bottom like menu bar thing, I, it's weird. So like, you're like main, I want these all the time apps are like on the left. In the middle are the apps that you have on right now. And then I think on the right side is like the actual windows of what you have open. Oh, you're talking about sections of the dock. Yeah. Okay. So at the bottom of the screen, there's the dock. Okay. Oh, okay. I see. Oh, Joe. Oh, Joe, you got. Okay. <laughs> so here we go. Things every Mac user needs to know. Yeah, I know. I want to make this better. You, you can make it better. Help me. <laughs> okay. Let me tell you about Mac philosophy. Everyone should go to a Mac philosophy class. <laughs> and the Mac philosophy is very different than Windows philosophy. So when you are like trying to teach someone how to use it, you have to like get them out of the Windows way of thinking and into the Mac way of thinking. But once you're in the <laughs> Mac way of thinking, you're fine. So at the bottom, we have all the apps, and that's, this is called the dock. I think on Windows, it's maybe called the taskbar. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. There are different settings for it in, in the settings app. It can go, you've probably seen there are different computers that have it different places, but uh-huh. you can do it on the left, the right, or the bottom. I personally like to have it on the left, but you know, you, a lot of people do bottom. It's bottom by default. You can do what you feel like you need to do. But if you open the settings app, that is a settings preference to where you can say where you want it. In the mode it's in right now, it's whatever you put on the left, 
you know, you can just put whatever you want there. Uh-huh. And then the middle is recent, and on the right is minimized apps and the trash. So here's, I think, the biggest thing I want every Mac user to know. The way to get rid of Windows, there's a big difference between hiding and minimizing. So what you've done so far is you have several things in the dock that you minimized, uh-huh. but you actually, most of the time, I would argue, want to hide Windows. So right now you have a you have one Safari window. So just click on that one Safari window. This window? Yes. If you want to get it out of, so you have Safari as your main front window. What you want to do right now, if you want that out of your way, right? Uh-huh. But you don't want to close it. So press Command H to hide it. Command H. <gasps> Whoa. <laughs> so now it's gone. Now it isn't minimized to the dock. It's just been hidden. So there are two ways to get it back. You can either do Command Tab and like now you're switching from the Finder to Safari, so now it's going to come back to life. Oh. Or if you hide it, you can click the dock icon to bring it back to the front. So there's kind of two ways to do it. Whoa. Oh. So you don't have to minimize Windows. Now you might wonder, why does minimizing exist? Because like when you minimize it, it goes down to a little section in the dock. So you might be like, okay, so why wouldn't everyone hide all the time or something like that? Mm -hmm. So the reason you would minimize was, let's say you have multiple windows of the same app. Open another Safari window. Okay. How do I do that? So go to uh, File in Safari. Okay. And then say New Window. So now you have multiple Safari windows open. Press Command M to minimize the frontmost window. And then press Command H to hide Safari. Uh huh. So basically what you have is if you go back to Safari, you have the windows you didn't minimize are going to come up because you hid them. And the windows uh-huh. you minimized. So if you have some windows that I, I want to unhide Safari, but I actually want some of the windows to stay hidden even though I'm unhiding them. I just want them out of the way and then I'll come back to them. I don't use that very often. But now Safari has no windows visible, but you know it's still active because it says Safari in the top toolbar. Oh. If it says Safari in the top toolbar, Safari is active, but because that's a big difference with Windows. On the Mac, an app can be open and running, but there can be no windows associated with the app. It can be running with just no windows. So it's like, oh, this app isn't running, but it is because you can see it in the top section. So you can actually launch an app. It can have no windows open, and then you can create windows or get destroy windows. You can hide when the entire app, or you can minimize certain windows. Ah. So what I see, most people don't know about hiding, I think. So they just minimize everything, and then you like look at the professor's screen, there's 999 minimized things down there. But you don't need to most uh-huh. of the time. The only time you really need to minimize is if you have multiple windows open and you want one of them just completely out of the way. Hopefully this is making some semblance of sense. Yeah, it is. Ah, that's so neat. Okay, that makes more sense. There's Mac Philosophy 101 for you. Tune in next time yeah. for Mac Philosophy 102 yeah okay all right all right i'm learning i'm learning i just like i said i'm used to things being very like because like like the like i love on 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 a windows how like all of the apps are just like right there on the butt like they're all to the left you know and they're like right there you know and it's just it makes sense to my brain you know what i'm saying if, if, so you're saying the dock is kind of confusing then? It, it, well, not confusing. Well, it is a little bit confusing, but I think it's just it's mostly just like a preference thing. Like if I could take the dock and just like move everything over, and then it's all like sent like. Oh, okay, I see. So you want to turn off the recent apps, and you want to not have things minimized. Is that what you're saying? Because you could turn off the recent apps in the dock if you wanted to. Wait, really? How do I do that? Open the settings and go to dock. Then there is a setting to turn off recent apps in the dock, and then it will work somewhat more like Windows which I don't show recent ones in the doc because I think that's kind of terrible. Oh, hey, there's the... Oh, it's on the left now. Yeah, so if, if you remove the recent items, then it just like it will show you the order you have set up. So for every app, you can tell it to stay in the dock or not stay in the dock. If you tell it to stay in the dock, it will... If you quit every single window and completely close down the app, 
it will actually just stay in the dock. But if you didn't tell an app to stay in the dock, if you quit, it just disappears from the dock because you didn't tell it to stay there all the time. Okay. If there's not a, if you, if your recent stuff isn't set to be open. Yeah. So you have to explicitly say when every, when every app is closed down, what do I want to be in the dock by default and in what order? And it respects that. Got it. You can open more things and they'll appear there in the order that you open them in. But once you close them all down, it will only show what you have there by default. And so what I've complained okay. about before is people have tons of stuff in there by default that Apple just puts there, like podcasts and Apple News and like, but you have to look at that 24-7 because you told it's telling it to stay there all the time, even if you don't open it. So you don't want 100 random garbage things in there. I got rid of a couple things already. I think I should get rid of notes and pages. And if the app is closed, a quick way to get rid of them is to literally just drag them off the dock until an X appears. If an app is closed? Oh, okay. Yeah, if, if the app is quit, oh. I think by default, if the, I don't remember the defaults, but if there's a white dot next to it, then it is running. And if there isn't, it's quit. I think that's right. Okay. And then you'll hear the sound that you, I think you're, I can hear right now. I don't need FaceTime. And then you can just drag it around. And now, interestingly, if you, this is maybe way more detail than anyone wants. If you open an app that isn't in your dock by default and then like say, and then rearrange it, like mess around with it and change where it is, it will assume uh-huh. you want to keep it there. Okay. I wish it didn't do that because sometimes I want to rearrange things in the dock, but I don't want, I want to be able to close them and have them disappear. Let's say you took away FaceTime from the dock and you just reopened it and you don't want it to stay there. If you drag FaceTime to any position other than the one it's in, it will assume you want to keep it in your dock forever now. Oh, uh, I, I think I understand that. Which is, I think is a, is a bad setting. I would, I would say you should be able to rearrange them, but then close them down, have them not stay in the dock. But I, that's just a preference thing. I can see it either way. Yeah. Hang on. I'm, I'm messing with the magnification. That's cool. Yeah. And then remember the thing where it's like click every menu, learn every feature. Yeah. Just like go, going in every settings menu is super helpful because you find things you didn't even know were there. Like magnification is pretty terrible and I turned it off. But there's also, I think in the dock settings, there is the different minimization modes. So I think by default, it's genie, which is like a genie in the bottle effect. But there's also scale, which I like way better. It's just a preference thing, but it's like scale. It's just like a nice gentle windows. It moves the whole thing down. I just found that. I'm using that for sure. Genie's a big dramatic like thing where it goes down into the bottle. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Thank you for helping me figure this out. You're welcome. Wow. More detail than anyone wanted to know. Mac philosophy 101. No, that's very interesting. As you mentioned, there is no like move to the left, move to the top corner, blah, blah, blah. But there are a million apps yeah. to let you do that. I have some of them installed and I occasionally use them. But by default, it is a little messy to where it's just kind of random and you have to yourself decide where everything goes. Okay. What apps do you use? So the one I use, I use an app called Keyboard Maestro that does a million, million things. But one of the things it can do is move apps to the left and right. I think there's one called Tile that I used to use that can just say like top left corner, top right corner. Got it. They're called Tiling Window Managers. If that's something okay. you want to do, which I occasionally do want to do, yeah, that's that's there where you can just say you can decide your own shortcuts to where it's like oh command option L moves it to the left side and then I have the other half open and so on. Yeah, what was that first app you said? I believe it's called Tile. Aha, uh-huh. uh, two dollars. Come on. Yeah, so there you go. Have fun. It, you, you might have like death by a thousand two dollar purchases because there's like a bunch of different apps you want to do things here and there. All good things. That's really. I am very excited. Oh boy. I'm very happy you have a functioning computer you like. You deserve it. Yes. Thank you. I've been waiting a long time. So I am I'm happy. Also, is Command Q quit? Command Q is quit, yeah. So don't do it on awesome. FaceTime. But <laughs> no, I won't do that on FaceTime. And you can actually if you look at any menu option, it has the shortcut next to it. So like oh. let's say you're in FaceTime and you click FaceTime in the menu bar at the top, then it will say like Quit FaceTime at the bottom, oh, and it'll have Command Q I next see. to it. Hide hide FaceTime, it will say Command H. Hide others, Command Option, Command Got H. It. 
and it will like preferences is almost always, or I guess they call it settings now, but settings is command comma almost always. So if you, if you're in a well-behaved Mac app that, that is doing what it's supposed to do and press command comma, it will always open a settings screen for you. Or if you're just in some like weird app that the developer didn't, isn't respecting like the conventions of Mac, then you don't know what it's going to do. But most of the time it should be the case that command comma opens the settings screen. That's all very helpful. I hope that that was... That's a, a big, overwhelming amount of information to help you on your journey. I hope that was semi-informative in, for the people listening out at home, you know. I sure hope so. <laughs> so here is something very interesting that I have seen, and it's taking the world by storm. It's called Chat GPT. Have you heard of this, Joe? I have. Have you tried it before? I have not. Okay. It's very terrifying because it is Chat GPT. Optimizing language models for dialogue by a company called OpenAI. And I think this is what will change the world as we know it. And the world will never be the same once this gets good. Really? This is an AI they have created where you can just give it prompts and it will give you output to what it thinks you want for those prompts. So I told Chat GPT, write a short sermon for Christmas. Here's the sermon that it wrote. As we gather together on this Christmas day, let us take a moment to reflect on the true meaning of this holiday. Christmas is a time for celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came to earth as a humble baby in a stable in Bethlehem. It is a time to remember that God loves us so much that he sent his only Son to save us from our sins and to offer us the gift of eternal life. It keeps going. It's a coherent, somewhat legit-sounding sermon. Merry Christmas to all, and may the love and hope of Jesus fill your hearts this holiday season. Amen. So I was like, okay, let me actually give it a little bit of a harder prompt. I said, write a sermon for Halloween. Halloween is a time when many people celebrate by dressing up in costumes, trick-or-treating, and participating in other activities that are traditionally associated with the holiday. While Halloween can be fun and enjoyable for many people, it's also a time when we can reflect on deeper themes and lessons that can be found in the holiday. One of the themes often associated with Halloween is the idea of facing our fears. Many people enjoy being scared or frightened during Halloween, blah, 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 blah. But the act of facing our fears can be a valuable and important lesson for us to learn in life. In the Bible, we see many examples of people who are asked to face their fears and trust God. For example, when Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son Isaac, blah, blah, blah. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, blah, blah, blah. Face your fears this Halloween. What? So it's actually a pretty good sermon. If you didn't tell me it was AI, I would believe that it was someone who was a person that wrote this sermon. So yeah, we're, we're doomed. That's... No. <laughs> and then I gave it some other prompts. I was just giving it everything I could think of. Uh, it's going to take your job, Joe. It said, write a worship set with six songs. Here's a worship set with six contemporary songs. Oceans, Where Feet May Fail by Hillsong United. Great Are You, Lord by All Sons and Daughters. 10,000 Reasons by Matt Redman. Good, Good Father. Raise a Hallelujah. Living Hope. This worship set could be used in a church service or a personal time of worship and could be led by a worship team or a solo performer. The songs cover a range of themes, including trust in God, the goodness of God, and the hope that we have in Jesus. I hope this worship set brings you closer to God and helps you to experience his presence. So this is going to put Joe out of business. It's going to put Sean Green out of business. It can, it can write the worship set and write the sermon. Then I said, write a description for a podcast episode called The College Try, hosted by Zachary and Joe, where they talk about AI, their Spotify and rap data, and their 2023 yearly themes. Join Zachary and Joe on this week's episode of The College Try, where they dive into the fascinating world of artificial intelligence. They'll discuss the latest developments in AI and share insights from their own personal Spotify unwrapped data. Plus, they'll reveal their yearly themes for 2023. This is where it gets a little weird. And talk about how they plan to use AI to achieve their goals. That's not what I want to do. This is a must-listen episode for anyone interested in AI and how it is shaping our world. Tune in and join the conversation with Zachary and Joe on The College Try. So it can, it can take my job, too. It can write the description for the episode. This can take all of our jobs. And I truly think that the world will never be the same. You know, <laughs> that's weird, man. That's weird. I uh, I didn't know that it could write sermons. I guess 
I guess technically it can do anything, but that's really very strange. That is wow. Watch this space, but it could it can do a lot. I just thought that would be interesting to share with the listeners. I mean, there's one thing though, is like it's very much in its infancy because it can't actually write as high quality of a sermon or worship set as a person could do. It can just sort of give you like a, a guess at something that seems sort of passable, but it doesn't understand recent events. It doesn't understand connections between different different points. It doesn't understand a lot. So I think Sean Green is in like you as a worship leader are safe for now. It's just like I only gonna get better is the thing. Like it can make you a rudimentary worship set, but it can't. It doesn't I don't think it really understands which songs are more high energy and good to start with and which songs are more reflective and good to put in the middle. And I don't think it really understands any of that. So it's it's got a way to go, but it's just something I was messing with on when I was in St. Louis visiting family. That was freaking me out. I was up until like twelve o'clock in giving it every because <laughs> here's here's what happened. My brother was like, oh, I wrote this professor in like an email asking them to do this, blah, blah, blah. Like, will you just read it and make sure it like seems okay? Because he like sometimes has me proofread things. It's like, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, read it and I was like, oh, he actually did a really good job writing this. Like, okay, yeah, the sound seems good. He's like, an AI wrote it. What? No. <laughs> he, what? he gave it the prompt, like write an email to my professor saying blah, 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 blah. And it, because he doesn't always know how to word it or whatever. And then it spit out this thing. And then there were all these like clickbait articles that said like the college essay is dead, blah, 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 because people can just use this and write it for it. It's like, not really, because first of all, it can't do anything that long yet. Second of all, it doesn't understand. Like if it doesn't know the information, it'll just guess and say it confidently. Mm -hmm. But there are things it doesn't know about. and It doesn't know if you're like write an essay about far from the matting crowd and how it represents this. It'll like it'll try to do it, but it won't be quite right. And then your teacher will give you a bad grade. So it can help in some areas, but and it maybe could help you brainstorm and give you some ideas. It can't help you, you know, cheat too fully. I okay. Here's the thing. Okay, here's my opinion. Now, number one, there was a MKBHD video. You know him, right? Yeah, of course. He has a video on this where he talks about just the implications and what his opinion is. It's actually really good. I don't know if you've seen it. That video, plus just hearing other people talk about it, I, I think that it is going to change. Like this is going to start to change how we live our lives. But I, 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 I think that I, here's, here's my opinion. As long as people value things made by people, it won't put people out of business. Now, now then the question is, okay, uh, does a, does a magazine in New York city really care to have some person write their columns on weddings in the area when they could just use an AI and be cheap, you know, like probably not. Um, you know, but I would like to think that like, okay, like, yeah, we could get, it's a similar thing to like, why, why don't we just use recordings of music on a Sunday morning and not pay somebody to do the, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's because you, you know, you value that real touch. And so I think for, I think for jobs like that, where it's kind of like a menial, like this person died or this person got married or like, you know, writing or, um, other creative jobs like that. Like, I think it, that will, it will affect that for sure. But I think as long as a, as a, as a human touch is valued, which in, in a lot of places, I feel like it, it is, I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to make myself feel better. What do you think? <laughs> well, no, I, I honestly think our jobs are fine because I think this is in such beginner stages 
that we're honestly, I think our generation is going to be fine. Now play this back in 10 years when nobody has jobs. But I, all it's doing is taking away the menial work. Like, as you said, if there's some sort of journalist who's doing like the wedding columns, it's like the same formula every time. This person married this person, blah, 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 blah. And it's like this person, it would be better for them to, to pseudo automatically generate that and then like, okay, make a few tweaks. But because it's so similar, it's like you could ask the AI to generate a slightly different format each time, but this still sounds good. Then we people can read it and find out who got married. Then you as the writer have more time freed up in your schedule to where you can go ahead and like do human interest stories. Or you can have it to where like what assignment, there's so many assignments where it's like in school where it's just you have to hit the word count. Mm -hmm. So and, and I think there might be that some of those things in journalism as well where you have to make it a certain length. So you're like, it, this is kind of, this could be a two line thing, but it has to, we have to blow it up in this big 500 word thing and, you know, not get to the point and have more people on our side and clicking around and seeing the ads and so on. So you could have it like where you give it the facts and it just like is really long and verbose and wastes people's time and, and like blows up this thing into a 500 word thing that doesn't need to be it. Or you could have it summarized text. You could have it do the reverse. Oh, this story actually, we only have like a, a one paragraph for it, not 10 paragraphs. So just look at this work I did and then crunch it down and then it could do it. So I think it could remove a lot of the grunt work and stuff that people are having to suffer through, but I don't think it can, I've not seen any evidence that it can write stories that are coherent and not just like we're laughing at them because they're just so random and have nothing to do with anything. Same for music. I don't think it can actually, cause I said, write a chord progression that I had my dad play it. And he's like, and eh, it sounds okay, but it's sort of just a little random. And like, I would, would have picked something better. It sounds more beautiful. Right now it's in the phase where it can assist people in limited context, but it can't really do much on its own without just it seeming completely ridiculous. I, I follow it to its natural conclusion. So like, let's say that it does get really good and all of the creative jobs are just replaced by AI. Mm -hmm. And at that point, then, okay, so you're putting people out of work and the, the majority of people in the world don't have the means necessary to live like happy, healthy lives. And then what, like, you know, the top five or 10% of people who just own everything are successful. And then like, then what, you know what I mean? It's like, what are we supposed to do? Like, I, I feel like unless the whole entire world becomes a dictatorship and like there's a couple people running everything, you know, at least, I mean, I know the United States is like, you know, it's a government by the people for the people, right? And so, like, we have a say in the things that go through. And so, it's like, I feel as though it won't get to that level because we care enough about the jobs that we have to make sure that there are laws in place that, like, no, you can't just replace 90% of your creative jobs at a newspaper company with AI. Like, that's just not going to, like, you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get... I don't know. There are honestly a lot of jobs today that could probably be automated, but people don't automate them for whatever reasons because uh -huh. it's like, oh, we need to keep the community going, guys. Like, mm -hmm. if there's this economic wheel doesn't turn, we're in trouble. I've, in fact, worked some of these jobs, but there are things that could probably be automated if you really put your mind to it, if you really wanted to. But then people don't have jobs. And, like, it's weird because you could argue that you could argue that in a capitalistic society where the goal is to maximize profits, you could argue that everything that a company would be like itching to automate and they'd like be trying to automate everything and fire everybody. Mm -hmm. But but that just hasn't played out in practice, I don't think. I think they automate yep. a lot, but most companies don't even know about a lot of opportunities for automation and then don't do very much with it. So maybe they'll do more with it over time, but like it, there are so many like jobs where people are manually snapping parts together where they could in theory yeah. be automated. But even in our the year of our Lord, 2022, about to be 2023, 20, <laughs> there's still like relatively low skilled jobs where you're snapping things together that like in theory, this could be automated or there could be more efficient ways to do it. But like people a lot of times aren't thinking in that continuous improvement way. So they're like, hey, we'll just keep uh, having the, the meat based humans do it. And so <laughs> I, I think, I don't think we're like a lot of times people will talk about government cover ups and like, 
uh, my thought for government cover-ups where oh, the moon landing was fake, blah, blah, blah. My thought with that mm-hmm. is like, I don't think the government's competent enough to fake the entire thing and have nobody ever like bring forth any evidence. Because like, <laughs> if it's impossible to keep a secret if thousands of people know about it, which they would have to. Like some person's gonna, dumb person's gonna mess it up no matter what, even if the other 999 are smart. So it's the same here. I don't think the, like a lot of companies are necessarily even smart enough or up to date enough to even know how to automate everyone out of their jobs. <laughs> so the, they might get there, but I just haven't seen evidence because I think that we're we're not even close to using computers to their full potential. Like how many, like if you are being summoned to jury duty, you're being sent like a piece of paper <laughs> in 2023. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. So it's like, oh, well, you could probably automate the person that sends those out. We could like have it automatically look at well, like the spreadsheet and then automatically send the email. You could, or you could just have the random underpaid person send the, <laughs> send the like letter exactly. manually and try write down the address and so on and then manually say who can do it and who can't and figure it out. Exactly. So it's like, there's so many things that could be automated but aren't. So let's not freak out about AI because we're not even like using the basic spreadsheet tools to our advantage, like let alone AI. Yeah. Yeah, man, that is really interesting because like I go back to even just like I think that we like humans are made to work, you know, like we. Well, I don't know. I mean, there's always people who are like, I don't know what I want to do genuinely. And it's like, ah, well, that sucks. But (laughs) I don't know. It's I feel like we're all gifted with things that we love, things that we're passionate about, things that we're good at. And I think like it's all about finding that and then doing that as your job. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that that's, that's a very broad statement and a lot of people can't do that. So I, you know, I don't know really what to say to that. I just, <laughs> I just know that like <laughs> the dog is barking. That's all right. I hate the dog. Oh, anyway. buddy. he'll be dead someday. <laughs> he will. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> so you got to appreciate him barking while you're here. Cause when he gets quiet, it's like, you got to be weird. Oh, that's true. Wow, look at that. <laughs> Just a quick little... Uh, philosophy lesson. <laughs> philosophy lesson. Um. Anyway, I just feel like... I feel like that it's not... Like, I, I don't think we'll get to the point of, like, you know, Terminator, like, everything is run by one AI company and everybody else is just sucking it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't know. That is my opinion. No, that is interesting because remember the time there was this guy named Luke Bobo who went to talk at CSF and he was talking about how like the work wasn't cursed. In fact, humans were made to work. It was just that like once sin entered the world, it became like this big thing. Like it was tainted by sin as was everything else. But in isolation, work is fine and we would be designed to do it. I remember hearing the statistic that I think is probably true that if you have more than what was it? If you have more than 10 free hours in a day, you're actually more unhappy than if you had less, which I think is true because if I have a day where I'm just literally laying around, it's like, oh, this is super fun. And I do everything I need to do by 12. And then it's like, okay, I guess I just yep. going to be some sort of slob for 12 hours until midnight. It's like, that's just not fun. You don't feel good after that. Yep, absolutely. I'm the same way. Like even on this break, like it's been hard for me to like not do the things that I want to do. Like, you know, design stuff or like work on school stuff or like work on planning stuff or applying to jobs. Like I itch to do that stuff. And I know that everybody's like that, but like I've loved my break. I just like, there are days when I'm like, okay, I have nothing to do. I should probably work on this spreadsheet for like, and I want to, you know what I mean? And it's a problem to figure out. So I think you're right. I think we have a natural desire to to work, to do the things that we love. I know there's a lot of people out there that are like, I hate my job. And to those people, I am sorry. Um, but I think that we do have a natural like desire to work, to do things that we enjoy. Yeah, because if we weren't designed to work, we would just be able to sit around all the time and not be bored. We would we would just be able to be in a room totally content. But if that mm-hmm. was the case, then we wouldn't have modern society because people were like, I'm happy in this cave with rocks, with a bunch of rocks. And it's like, okay, then exactly. nothing gets done if you're perfectly happy all the time. But since we're kind of a little unhappy by nature, we're motivated to work and figure things out and invent new things and, and in theory have good lives. Yeah. 
And it's just that, as always, sin messes everything up. So we are left with jobs that are not paying enough or not, you know, suited yeah. to people's talents and interests or not even necessary in the first place, like I said. Yep. So, but in theory, there's nothing wrong with work. Like, in, in a lot of ways, I think I've talked about it before. Have I talked about 4,000 Weeks, the book before on here? I think so. Because the first or second chapters of that one is worth checking out if you want to learn about something the author calls deep time, which is that used to, if you were a farmer, you were just, there was no concept of like sell, working for eight hours and like an hourly wage and multiplying it to find out how much you'd make. Like the only thing there was was like, on certain times of the year, we take care of the crops. And then other times of the year, we basically don't really do anything besides like maybe work on the house or whatever. But like, we don't really do much in the winter because it's, you know, kind of dark and we don't, we're tired and we don't want to do anything. What deep time is saying is that used to people weren't really fixated on like, what, what time is it? Like at three o'clock, I got to go to work at eight o'clock. I got to go to class, all this stuff. Got to get up at this time. They were like, when the sun comes up, I'll get up and milk the cows. I'll do as much as I need to on the farm after that. And then I'm done. When I'm done, I'm done. I can just like goof off. And now mm -hmm. it's like, you've got to be here for eight and a half hours. Maybe there's not really technically enough to do for eight and a half hours, but you got to be here for that. So it's like, we're very obsessed with, with following mm -hmm. the clock. And I think we were almost designed, because if you're having a day that's really fun, a lot of the times you don't care about what time it is. You're just like, oh, day's over, and I didn't even notice it. So it's just super fun. Yep. A lot of times we get stressed out about time, and we, I guess, need it to run things sometimes. But I think, I would imagine that God created Adam and Eve to be more like, oh, just sort of doing things they saw they needed to be done, and then resting throughout the day. Like, maybe they do 30 minutes of work in the garden, and then, like, goof off for an hour, and, like, a couple hours of work in the garden, and then, like, mm -hmm. goof off for 10 minutes, and one more hour, and then eat something, and then, like, as opposed to, like... Four hours of work, lunch, four hours of work, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think anyone, nobody can work for four straight hours and be productive, in my opinion. And so all that happens is we are just pretending to be productive. We're like, yeah, I'm definitely working and not watching YouTube. Don't worry. We're like building in those breaks that we kind of need that people aren't wanting to give us. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, that's all good stuff to, from 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. It's a good book. But I, I, I mean, I do agree. We were designed to work. We just weren't designed to work in the way that we often try to do it. That's super true. And I know that when I've worked like a full-time job in the summertime, well, like not this past summertime, but just, you know, in the past, there were times when I'm like, I don't really have anything to do right now. I'm, you know, I'm just going to look at my phone really quick, you know? <laughs> and so you're right. Like there's no, I really don't think that there's any way to, to be actually 100% productive for four hours straight. Yeah, there, there's literally no way. That's how they get you. <laughs> <laughs> I think the final thing with the show is that Zachary will become Joe and Joe will become Zachary. So I'm going to be like, what a time. And Joe's going to be like, that's how they get you. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. Speaking of how they get you, I recently took a trip down memory lane. So we were actually watching a couple of old VeggieTales episodes. We have a basket full of the random DVDs. And they don't look very good because they're like in 480i, basically. 480p, <laughs> whatever. I think technically 480p is the resolution those are in. They're not, they're, and they look very like Windows 95 animation. They're not maybe the highest quality. But they're still good and enjoyable for all ages. There's like a lot of jokes and stuff in there that you didn't really notice when you were a kid. So it makes it yep. funny, but funny and entertaining to watch, even for the adults. But... Once we were watching those, I also noticed that in the basket, there were a couple of just random videos that were sort of labeled cryptic things. And there were a bunch of homeschool plays in there. My dad was always responsible for filming the homeschool play and then like giving all the DVDs out to everyone. Really? So there's like a bunch of terrible like Sherlock Holmes things that nobody ever wants to watch ever because they're terrible. But like, <laughs> and then we, because we have tons of them because it's like we maybe made 50 or something, but only gave away 40. So there's like a bunch of extra ones. And so I also saw there was a 2004 Sherwood Oaks worship concert what so i was like okay i gotta see this so i put it in the put it in the dvd so i was looking at that and i was also looking at remember when i was talking about like i want to do like a life archive project mm -hmm. so i was looking at some of the the things in the life archive project i was looking at one csf worship night that was actually done in the sherwood oaks building 
And I was like, even though this is only like a year or two old, it's actually wild. Like how many of these people just dropped off the map? <laughs> like, I don't even think mm-hmm. they graduated. <laughs> like they're just gone forever and they didn't even leave a trace. So watching it honestly made me feel like really weird because I, I had a different style of drumming. Like there were completely different people that I don't even think graduated, but completely dropped off the map for a variety of reasons. It's like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And it's like, it felt like this weird alien world. Is there a video from that? So I just had downloaded the Facebook video to my hard drive. And so, yes, there is a video of that. Also online, but I'm just, you know me, I download things that I think there's a chance they could be deleted or I couldn't find them in the future. No, I like that. Cause there's, I, the first time I ever did worship and like saying is on Facebook, um, at, at Encounter. Oh my gosh. Yeah, there it is. Wow. Man, the view, the listeners are really missing out on this. <laughs> I remember that guy in the back. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This guy in the back? Yeah. Which guy? What guy is that? I don't feel like I remember that guy. Well, I don't remember his name. Yeah. Oh, neither do I. Yeah. Sorry, guy. You're lost to time. Oh my. Yeah, I remember I sang Take Me. Yeah, you got you hit the high note. It was a good time. Uh-huh. <laughs> so there you go. Golly. Uh so anyway, I thought it I thought it was nice, but I also, as I said, like we we've had this conversation a million times, like, oh, Zachary doesn't like the past and Joe does, blah, blah, blah. And like it's not that I dislike the past, it's that I just feel sometimes weird watching that because I know like the old me was so differently motivated and had his mind in such a different place than the current me. And I don't even feel like I'm even connected to that person anymore feel like that mm-hmm. person is just some random random loser from the old days and like the current me is much better so, but like the all other versions of me were no good so it just is it can be a weird reminder sometimes but it, i had fun going down memory lines looking at the old worship sets today that's all yeah no that's great honestly i might do the same if you can teach me how to rip rip those from the web <laughs> those are those Pirate are really scene. honestly like that stuff becomes priceless as you as you get further away from it i also have strategically because sherwood oaks i don't think is has been saving the youtube clips of the whole worship like one hour worship things anyone so i also download a bunch of those so i have some 2020 and 2021s of those nice yes, so like, yes. I, I know those will those will be like investments where oh you just did it why are you downloading it or whatever but then you yep. look back in 20 years oh, okay that's pretty cool and you might not be able to find yeah. it online so yeah. it's good to take videos here and there and download things because you'll like i go back i only have a couple of videos of csf in the great room worship but i like wish we had some more because I, know. I want to make sure those are preserved because I won't necessarily remember half of those people. For better or for worse, yep. I won't remember what we did 20 years Exactly, exactly. It's crazy, man. But that's, that stuff is really cool, though. This is a call to the listeners to preserve your stuff and to consider looking back on memory lane when everything Absolutely. was different. Oh, when everything was different. Speaking of the past, <laughs> I'm really excited for our yearly segment. I think this will probably be the last time we do it, but I'm super excited to go through the Spotify Wrapped 2022 data. Last year's data, just very briefly, it was interesting. I went back to it. I listened to 14,000 minutes, and I was like, oh, I'll definitely listen to more. <laughs> Don't worry. Like, that's too <laughs> that's too low. I'll listen to more and have, be a happier person with more music. Joe racking up 97,850 mm-hmm. minutes, not to brag. But anyway, I just thought that was interesting. So we will see how those numbers have gotten bigger or smaller or what. So I did 14,000. I think that's the most interesting number in my head. 14,000 for me, 97,850 for Joe. Okay, I'm looking at your data for the first time. These will be in the show notes. Hopefully is the chapter art. I would 25,000. Oh, 50,000. Okay, you listen to a lot less. So, yes. I would I want to talk about this. I listen to a lot more. Joe listen to a lot less. We're, we're becoming the same person over time. <laughs> um, so I remember I talked about this last year. I I made it a resolution to stop sleeping with music. Hmm. And so that is literally the only difference. Wait, is Regent Parks the first song both both times? Regent Parks is yeah, the both first times. song. What? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we'll get yeah. into it. We'll get into it. 
But you made a resolution to not like fall asleep with the music and then like have it be cheating to where, oh, 12 hours of music every day, exactly. guys, even though I'm asleep. Oh. Exactly. So I stopped doing that. And so literally it halved. So I, I was about 100,000 last year, 97,000. Um, and this year I'm at 50,000. Mm-hmm. So yeah, literally the biggest difference was just, and, and, and I think to me that like half of my listening time, I mean, you, you can't really know, but like half of my listening time was when I was asleep, mm-hmm. which doesn't, is it cheating? I don't feel like yeah, that counts. Yeah. You're kind of cheating. Cause like you're listening just as much as when you're asleep as when you're awake. So your data is twice what it should be. So yeah. So what exactly. did you listen to instead? Your so, own thoughts? <laughs> yeah, honestly, it be it, it, it kind of became a nice thing where like, I remember when I lived at uh, the apartment I was in last year, like I just would go to bed and like have a few minutes to think to myself about like the day and what I was doing tomorrow. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes I'd be like worry and then I'd have to, you know, chill myself out a little bit and go to bed. But um, it was kind of nice just to have a breather right there before bed. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it also just has like obviously i've learned how to fall asleep without music so that's super helpful because now i don't have a crutch to to go to sleep um but yeah so i don't know it it it, it's nice also because it doesn't drain my battery i just feel like it's overall a good thing um so you didn't turn on like tropical nature rainforest noises whatever like on a different app no okay it's just silence um which for a lot of people is weird and i get that because i was the same way but once you do it for like a week or two it's it just kind of becomes habit. Um, and so, yeah. And then my, my top artists, well, okay. So Regents Park was number one again. So if you look at all those songs, uh, four, the top four of them were on a playlist that I really loved last year, uh, called Vibe, And I would play it a lot. Like whenever I was just hanging out with people, um, did you make that playlist? I did. I did. Yes. Um, and so, I don't know if it's actually public on my account or not. Let's head over to your mom and find out. (laughs) Uh, I hate that. (laughs) Um, Okay. That's where the top four of those songs came from. I really do love Regents Park. I I don't know how that that was number one again, because I don't feel like I listened to it a ton, but it is. So that's fun. Um, Ben Rector was my top artist because I just got super into his music. I listened to all of it all the way through and just picked out the ones that I liked. Um, went to his concert this year. I just, he, yeah, I definitely, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. All right. So let me do a deep dive into my data. As always, I am somewhat unhappy with my statistics. I think they're kind of wrong because CCM, Christian contemporary music is always super duper overrepresented because I do so much practicing with it. And it's not that it, it's not like, oh, it wouldn't be there. It would be there. It would just be a lot less. That doesn't come into effect for like the big picture literally the big picture that it generates at the end, but that does come into effect for like the kind of slideshow and those different things. So you must, we must acknowledge that Christian contemporary music is much higher than it should be. We also must acknowledge that my summer band gig kind of messed things up because what I did is I had, I told you a bit about this, but, and you actually came to see me, which is great, Uh but I had to learn 40 different songs over the summer. And it's like, most of them were, so I can't complain too much. It's just a 4-4 four, four beat movement for most of them. But there was enough subtleties and like pausing and different subtleties to it that I did have to get familiar with those songs. So I saw, I think, a couple, maybe a couple of those on there. The band I played for had this playlist that I had to learn, and so it was on there more than it should be. So it was like, I think it liked, it thought I liked old rock a lot, even though I didn't. So let's leave it at that. 
And then I will say that the top song is One Night Away by Artie. That is the song that I just played mm. over and over and over again because I played it when I was working on school. I always have a song like this. I think last year I had a song like that. It was Attention, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was FaceTime with my mom. Yeah, good guess though. Oh, 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 yeah. Last year, FaceTime with my mom tonight. I just played it. I liked it. So I played it when I was working on school a bunch of times. So then it's like 50 or 60 times. No problem. So I explored 40 different genres. The most high ones were EDM, electronic dance music, Christian contemporary music, CCM, pop, drift. I'm not really sure what that one is, to be honest. And rock. Rock shouldn't be there, but it is. Once again, because of the band thing, rock should never should literally be zero percent, but it's it's there because of that thing. And then I'm surprised <laughs> ambient isn't yeah. on there because I've been listening to a ton of ambient music, especially when I've been reading different books. I just have grown to really love it, so I'm almost certain that's going to show up next year. Hmm. But for some reason, it just barely didn't quite make it this year. Got it. My top song was "One Night Away" by Artie at 44 times, and I played 2,922 songs in total. What about you, Joe? It says I did 65 different genres total. Um, like I listen to that many, but my top five were CCM, uh, pop country, indie pop, and then adult standards, which I don't know what that means. Oh, wait, what's that? Is that Frank Sinatra and such? Maybe, but that seems weird. It seems ageist of them to, to make it like what? I don't know. Anyway. Um, and then my top song was Regents Park. I played it 91 times. Um, with the most listens on January 24th, which is weird. I don't remember that day. I don't know what I did that day. But, uh, yeah. And then let me see if it gives me the other statistic it gave you. I played 3,922 songs. Okay. A respectable number. Oh, wait. I had 2,922. Spooky. Ooh. ooh wait. Actually, oh, that's weird. Wow. 2,922 and 3,922? Spooky. Yeah. Ooh, whoa. <laughs> anyway, here were the top five. One Night, and it can be a little hard to tell on the screenshot, like what is it, because it crops it. So it was One Night Away by Artie at number one. Number two, Human featuring Echoes by John Summit and Echoes. Number three, Follow by Martin Garrix and Zed. Number four, One Last Dance by Audion. I believe that's how it's pronounced, as well as X-I-R-A. And five was Escape, John Summit remix by KX5 and John Summit. A lot of EDM in there. A lot of EDM in there. But yeah, those definitely deserve to be there. I listen to those so much. But again, <laughs> only one could be the winner. So there you go. Yeah. It's gotcha. all just uh, you know, EDM that most people are like, wait, why are you listening to this? Uh-huh. But it's, it works for me. Yeah. As for my top artists, I listen the most to Anomaly. We spent 687 minutes together, which means I'm in the top 0.5% of listeners this year. I was tapping like, say thanks. I thought that would like somehow notify him or something. Instead it opens Twitter. It's like, why don't you tweet to him? No, I don't want to do that. I was disappointed when I clicked say thanks. And it's, <laughs> that's not what I wanted yeah. to do. I am the adventurer. You're a seeker of sound. You venture out into the unknown, searching for fresher artists, deeper cuts, newer tracks, especially gems yet to be found. ENVU, exploration, newness, variety, uniqueness. Uh, okay. I didn't, this was a little goofy, but there it is. If anyone wants to know. Yeah. That, I thought that was really weird too. Um, my my top five songs were uh, Regions Park by Bruno Major, uh, like I said, and then Mean Something by Lizzie McAlpine. Mm, that's got to mean something, Joe. Such a good song. So eat it. <laughs> <laughs> um, halfway Up, the Lonely Version by The Brook and the Bluff, which is a phenomenal song. Uh, Time by Angelo D'Augustine. Uh, he's all, that. I, mm, so, anyway, um, and then All My Ghosts by Lizzie McAlpine. Um, yeah, and then what did you say? The top artists? Yeah, mm-hmm. hang on, I'll 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 get that info, that very pertinent info for you. Um, I should have had this all prepared like you did. That would have been 
helpful. Probably. So, yeah, Ben Rector was my top one. Totally makes sense. Like I said, uh, we spent 2,261 minutes together. Um, I was in the top 0.1% of his listeners this year. Wait, you said 2,000 minutes together? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> I couldn't stop listening to Sometimes by Ben Rector. It's a great song. My top five artists were Ben Rector, Lizzie McAlpine, Stephen Day, The Beatles, and then King's Kaleidoscope. Those top four feel very natural from what we've talked about. And from what yes. you've talked about, King's Kaleidoscope yep. wouldn't necessarily have guessed, but it makes sense. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It makes sense. Um, the listening personality thing, I did think that was weird. They're, they're obviously trying to like vibe off of you know, Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram stuff and all of that. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. I didn't see it. That's actually a good point now that you mention it. So I'm also the adventurer. Hmm, interesting. Wow. I wonder if there are like 16 of those personalities. Oh. <laughs> We'd have to try to figure it out. But so so it says you're a seeker of sound, blah, blah, blah. You venture out into the unknown. Yep. We already said it, blah, blah, blah. Exploration, newness, variety, and uniqueness. We're both very unique. Apparently. There you go. Look at us go. All right. So there's Spotify and rap. People are sometimes cynical. They're like, I don't care about it, blah, blah, blah. I think it's super interesting. I always like to see what people do. I agree. I always like to know more. You can learn a lot about people. And then you look at other people's and it's like, this is five artists I've never heard of, five songs I've never heard of. It's just yeah. like, we, everyone's in their own universe. There are people mm -hmm. listen to songs that I would never listen to because it's like, sounds like noise or whatever. But for some reason, exactly. they enjoy it. And it's all very interesting. It's a good look into people's secretive music, listening habits, and secret lives. This is the part where I will fall through on the honesty episode. I will take an honest look on how my 2022 went, and I will look ahead to 2023. And you will hopefully do the same, and there we go. You first. Well, yeah, you first, kid. Let me first <laughs> review what happened in 2022. So my yearly theme for 2022 was the year of atomic habits. Again, this is based on the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. Now, to rewind down memory lane just a little bit, in 2021, I did the year of growth. This was because in 2020, I had been in my room for almost a year straight doing school on my computer and so on, and I wanted to make sure I was growing as a person and since I didn't feel that productive in 2020. So the goal for the year of growth, which was 2021, was to focus on the habits that mattered the most, basically like trust, putting, setting up a system, trusting the system, following through with it, and not being a lazy person. So the different areas I had I wanted to make sure I was improving in health, reading, relationships, and also musically as a musician. I worked on that, and then I wanted to continue working on it for 2022, which is why I said Atomic Habits, because I was like, okay, the year of growth, I grew a little in those areas, but I also wanted, wished I could get better. So I was like, let me set up these Atomic Habits, you know, making it convenient and easy and all these things. And then based on this advice in the book, I will actually follow through and hopefully get some actual progress here. Health. I'd say this was mostly success with some room for improvement. I listened back to the old episodes to like sort of see how I did. And though I didn't work on as much pull-ups as I had planned, and Owen can still beat me, I did plenty of other workouts and ate reasonably well. So I still have a ways to go, but I am pretty successful in the exercise area of things. I somewhat failed a little with eating random snacks mindlessly at certain times throughout the year, so I do need to get better at that. But other than that, I, I'm honestly would say gen mostly success. But of course, there's always room for improvement. Mm -hmm. Reading would be a huge success. This might be the biggest success in category. And I know that that might be the case for you, which we'll get into. But I bought a Kobo this summer. I justified buying it. Uh, you know, maybe it was like 120 or something like that. But I justified buying it with full-time work. You know, I had this full-time job so I could justify spending that money. And it worked quite well for me. Now, of course, I didn't have as much time to read during the summer because I was working, and nor did I for the first half of the year, which we'll get into. But really, during the last half of the year, I did a ton of reading on the Kobo. I don't say this to brag, but I read 72 books this year. This is not like, oh, I'm so cool. Look at me. I'm so great. Because people will sometimes be like, I read 100 books. I read 200 books, blah, blah, blah. All, I'm just using that as an example of literally all I did was read 
like one book a week and then a tiny bit of another one, if that makes sense. And if you add it up every single time, like if you read every night before bed, that's the power of Atomic Habits. If you read just a little every day of a book you actually like and are excited to come back to, you're going to have this big list. And it shouldn't necessarily be a numbers game. I didn't even think it was that many until I counted them up. But all it is is like if you just read a little each day for like an hour before bed or throughout the day, like 20 minutes here, 10 minutes here, blah, blah, blah. It's like that adds up and you've got an actual bunch of completed books under your belt. Wow. So yeah, this is just an example of Atomic Habits. Actions repeated every single day. If you do the math, read one book before bed, and then that that just adds up very quickly. It's very doable, honestly. And of course, I made that work by doing books that I was enthusiastic yes to. So that meant a lot of Stephen King. <laughs> I haven't read anything by him <laughs> I don't like. Everything I like, it just everything he writes, I am sucked right in. I really enjoy it. I, there were a bunch of nonfiction titles I really liked. Relationships was mo- somewhat of a success and somewhat of a failure because I actually met a lot of new people this year who were really great. But I also know I could have done better with the direct like family area, maintaining those relationships. Not that me and my family are like on bad terms or whatever, but I know that I sometimes there were times in the year when I kind of brushed them off because I was like, I see you every day, blah, 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 when I should have been more intentional. So I am wanting to work on that. As far as the music category, I didn't actually learn a lot on drums. It was kind of success and kind of a failure at the same time, which is all mm-hmm. these areas. As a musician, I did not succeed in learning as much as I wanted on drums, but I also don't feel too bad about that because I did a lot of just playing drums and using my existing skills without actually learning a whole lot new on drums. So for example, I played a lot for Encounter, as you know. I was in two of the different bands at church, and I did the summer gig, which kept me very busy. I learned you know, 40 or 41 songs, as I said. Most of them weren't too hard, but there was enough. It, it definitely kept me busy. There were enough subtleties and different things I had to learn with those songs, and enough practicing with the band that it kept me pretty busy. And there was the occasional one-off thing as well. So between all of those things, I was keeping busy playing drums, but by the time I learned all the songs I wanted to learn, I was just kind of tired of drums and didn't want to play in them anymore. So as a result, I didn't learn it. I was busy playing and didn't learn anything new. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a success and failure at the same time. Because I had I played a ton, and I would say I had the most fun this year with drums than I have in any past year. So in that way, having fun, it was a success, just not learning. And because I actually, as I said, I whenever I look on online drummers, a lot of the times I'm like, I feel bad, this person's better than me, blah, blah, blah. But I actually have been more healthy about that lately. I've actually looked up to a lot of online drummers. They've been able to get me motivated and excited about going back to playing. And I've been telling myself, there's no need to feel bad about the fact they're more skilled. Just like appreciate them. Maybe take a couple of ideas or different things from them. Yep. Because I don't know, drummers tend to be relatively cool people. I mean, sure, there's some jerky ones, whatever. But most of the time, they're like in the YouTube videos and kind of explaining how they did it. And they tend to be pretty good people to learn from. Yeah. Uh, piano totally did not succeed because I didn't have the motivation. See, <laughs> see, see the previous things with drums. I, I was music down. And so I did pretty much nothing with piano. Uh, we'll see if anything happens with that. That's on the back burner for now, though. So that was my yearly theme. Some successes, some failures. What about you? Okay, so my theme was the year of presence. And I honestly, I think that I did pretty well. I, that Mine is way more vague to measure than yours. Because <laughs> it wasn't like, I'm going to be present for six hours of every, you know. It was just kind of like... Really, my biggest goal was just with all of the life change that I've had recently to like just just take a step back and be grateful on a daily basis for where I'm at and just be present with the people I'm with and not be thinking about the past so much. I don't know. I feel like I did that. Um, I mean, I remember there was a moment where like I was getting all stressed out about the summertime and I was on the phone with my brother, Jack, and he was like, dude. What I wouldn't give to be, you know, a junior going into senior year, you've got a great internship part-time when you have a ton of time left over, you got 
people to see, friends to see, like things to do, just having fun. It's like, and I was like, wow, like you're so <laughs> right. That's so true. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. It just, it made me, I don't know. It made me realize sort of like the, the, like imagining you've just come back in time from a yeah, place exactly. that's totally different that we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's like that. It's like, it's like, wow, like I am in a really cool spot right now. I won't always be here. Like, and especially now that I'm way closer to graduating than I was last year, it's been a struggle now to not look so much at the future, you know, not so much at the past, but at the future, I still struggle with nostalgia, like, and, and overindulging myself in it, I think sometimes, but I think overall I did, I did pretty well. Um, and I think that that's because I honestly think that's because this year there was so many opportunities that I had that like actually excite me, you know, like I'm learning a ton more about design and like trying to actually get good at stuff so that I can actually like actually do it when I'm graduated. Um, stuff with worship, like doing that internship at Sherwood was awesome. And like learning more about the trade, um, like t- trying to tune piano, like, like doing all of these things that actually are going to practically prepare me for what I want to do after I graduate makes me excited and more, I don't know, more apt to be like, yes, I want to focus on right now and make this as good as I can for the future. I think I succeeded. Obviously, you know, not perfect. Like, I don't know. I didn't, I, I can't say that I was never nostalgic or never, you know, got too in my feels about the past, but um, I think overall, I think overall it was a good year. I think it was a good year. So was the year of presence intended to be mostly, it wasn't even that you were looking to the future. It's that I will be right here and not look to the past. Yes. It was just, it was mostly, because I remember coming out of the fall of 21, I was just like, everything is different. All I want to do is be back as a freshman. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to hammer this point so much that it gets obnoxious. But for me, a year of presence would mean not looking to the future. Like the past is instantly deleted from my memory. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm not freaking out about how I'm not in the past. I'm freaking out about how I'm not in the future. And there's so much unknown and uncertainty. It's just like, I'm not trying to like hammer this home and say this every episode 10 times. It's just that like, like that's so different from the way I do things that I just find it remarkable every single time. (laughs) That's really funny. And that's just, Hey, we're just different, you know? But yeah, I mean, that's that, that was my main goal is to not be so pull myself out of the past and, Mm -hmm. and be thankful and present where I am. Um, and I think I did that. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's harder to like measure than, you know, something like atomic habits, although that, yeah, I don't know. I think I succeeded. I I feel like I, I succeeded. You can kind of measure if you succeeded when you were with people where you're like on your phone or thinking about the pastor preacher, like you can kind of know based on when you're with people, you're with people. If you did that, it was a success. And I think I was like, you can be intellectually honest and say if you did it. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I was. I think I was. Did you avoid all the movie trailers? I did, yes. So that was, I, I haven't, I didn't watch one movie trailer this year um, for anything. And it honestly, I'm trying to like think of an, an example because I didn't, I also just didn't watch a ton of movies this year. Like, but like, I remember in like Doctor Strange, I was so confused <laughs> because like Wanda just became the villain and I was like, is this actually happening? Like, like what, you know? Oh, Thor. Thor is a great example. I I just didn't expect anything. And then I was really underwhelmed. Like, <laughs> Yep. And so, uh, yeah, I know. Sorry. Well, we, we don't have to get into that. But we are, yeah, we already got into it. We already complained and said <laughs> yes, it was bad. Yes. So. But 
I mean, I don't know. I, I think it was nice because it took the pressure out of like, I have to be caught up on everything and, you know, know all of the movies coming out. It was awkward when I would go and see movies and like, I'd have to like step out for the, for the trailers and have somebody text me when to come back in, you know, <laughs> put the like popcorn in the seat. Nobody sit here. Yes, exactly. Um, Lightyear, when I went and saw that, it was like, I hadn't seen any trailers for it. And so it, that was actually really good. Um, cause I, I just had no idea what to expect. And then I was completely surprised the whole movie and it was really fun. It was just a really fun movie experience. Um, so I think, I think I'll honestly just keep doing that because I think it's just a good, for me, it's a good habit. Uh, cause it just makes movie going experiences more fun. And then I also did the summer of reading, which we talked about, I think on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Which that was actually really good too. Um, I think that the main thing from that, cause I remember my, my rules for myself were basically, I don't want to watch any kind of visual media unless I'm with people. So that essentially like I, I didn't watch YouTube all summer, you know, I didn't watch Netflix by myself or any, any shows or anything. And what the goal of that was I wanted to read more. So I wanted to like use that time I would be on YouTube to just have a book and read the book, you know. And I did. Uh, I really, I mean, I got into, gosh, I, honestly, the biggest thing that I read this this summer was the Bible, which is so cliche, but I was able to focus more time on that, um, which was really very rewarding um, because I got through, I actually finished just recently probably in november um a year and a half long journey through all four gospels and then uh through acts Mm -hmm. and so i don't know i just had never read those on my own and it was really rewarding to go through and actually read the kind of stories that people preach on and you know the the stories that i knew but i didn't really like i didn't i hadn't read them you know um, and then Acts, I had never read Acts and like, that was really, I don't know, it was really cool. Um, so I think that was the most rewarding part of it. I think also just like, it gave me time to myself more to like journal, uh, and to work on projects that I wanted to work on and to see people. Um, and I didn't, you know, waste so much time watching stuff that I don't really care about. That's not really going to affect me. That was a that was a cool season. I honestly kind of want to get back into that because I feel like I've been falling more into like, oh, I'm in this spot where I normally watch stuff. Let me just pull up my phone and sc- like scrape the bottom of the barrel for something to watch because it's just a habit. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I need to. I think I'll probably get back into that. I still don't watch TV on my own though. Like I I I like I just don't turn anything on usually um, unless I'm with people, which is good. Uh, I think. So I think just YouTube is where I've fallen back into some of that. So I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to try and do that again. Um, but yeah, overall, I felt like this year was good. A lot of growth, um, a lot of growth and yeah, I mean, I'm just gearing up to graduate now, which is so weird to me, but, um, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. I just am, it's like a lot of decisions to make, you know, like where, where do I, where am I going to work? You know, like that's important. (laughs) Did you do anything with learning more piano, jazz, sight reading, and so on? Or did you completely fail like me? Completely failed. Ah, that makes two of yep. us. I want to do it, but it's never on the front of priority exactly. list. It almost never gets Exactly. Done. So, yeah, I would say reading was more, like reading, reading was more like what I did this year. But, yeah, I don't know. I need to think on, like, because I, I think I want to do that. But, and I don't know, school just takes so much time, and I'm so tired of school. <laughs> yes, yes. 
Okay, well, I'm glad that this was a good year. Now let us go away from the past and look at our 2023 yearly themes. So in order to understand what this 2023 yearly theme was, I do just want to like look at the year at a glance and like say how did everything go. So looking back, it was good, though it did have some challenges. So my excuse for why, as I said, I didn't really do much of the reading or anything in the first part of the year is that the spring 2022 school semester and summer both were very, very busy. The spring 22, as I said, had several demanding like business classes because of the business certificate I'm working on. And it's funny because even though I did all those like demanding classes ahead of time and then like all the people in my program are like having to suffer through them now. So I kind of got to be like, oh, I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that. Yay. Hooray. So, but anyway, and I worked full time in the summer, as I said, which I don't mind to do, but it has an unfortunate way of consuming your life to where there's only like one free hour a day by the time you do everything, which is extremely a bummer. Mm -hmm. Uh, so anyway, so it was summer wasn't super great or super terrible. It just was. It was what it was. And as I said, from like for about one month, but this happened to both me and you. I was basically either sick from something or recovering from something. Mm -hmm. And this this was discouraging because I just felt like I had no energy because I was just coughing all the time, blowing my nose all the time and just did not feel well. And I'm, I'm far from the only person to have this lots. Almost like everyone in LinkedIn, I think, had this for like a month where like it was so hard to have motivation to do school. I just did drag drug through and did as much as I could. But I was just I was struggling at the very end there for maybe just under a month or so. Yeah. And have been feeling better as of December 19th. So I was like, I'm just, I'm sort of going to do the bare minimum and then like lie on my bed. Yep. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I think this happened to both of us, honestly. Now, I honestly did the best at in the spirit of this theme in probably the last two or three months of the year because I kind of reached a low point at the beginning of fall semester. I was incredibly anxious for the first half of the fall semester and it wasn't of anything in particular. It was just about the future. Mm. I realized I was getting super close to the end and I didn't have this fully fledged out plan to the extent I thought I would. And I know that, as we've said, music is a time machine. If I listen to Human by John Summit, I almost always listen to that in the car going to CSF practice and CSF services. Mm -hmm. And so, like, if I listen to that, I feel like I'm out. I feel like I'm in the car. It's a little hot and humid. The wind is blowing. The air conditioner is, like, fighting against it or whatever. And I'm, like, you know, and, and trying to beat the red light or whatever. And then, like, I remember, and then I have this, like, background sense of, like, oh, no, what, what's going to happen in the future? Like, I, so I'm happy that I'm going to CSF and seeing people, blah, blah, blah. And it's a good song. But I am... That all those very complicated make sure feelings come right back whenever I listen. So I'm probably not going to listen to that song ever again <laughs> because it brings like very, very complicated emotions uh -huh. because music is a time machine. Music is a time machine. There's another one called like What a Life by John Summit. That one is probably even more the case than human. Both of those bring back those same emotions. Mm. Music is a time machine. Things went up from there. I, I started being a bit less anxious about the future. And in the last three or four months of the year, of uh, several things happened that kind of changed the way I did everything. So one thing was that my walk with God took a front seat in my life in a way it never, ever, ever had in my entire life, ever. And because I realized the cool part is that I have great examples of both peers and adults to look to in the process. And as I started like realizing that I had all these fears and anxieties, I started to be more productive and to real think about ways to like bring God into that process a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I was like, look, I want to follow God, blah, blah, blah. But I never wanted to bring him in on like, I don't know 100% what I want to do for my life. I don't know about this. I don't know about that. And I, for some reason, never wanted to bring him in on that. Mostly because I was like, oh, what's God going to do? You know, like, you know, but then I, I realized that was kind of dumb because I should bring him in on the, those process and I should look to him for guidance. And uh, this is a secondary motivation, which I don't know if it's good or bad, but I realized that if I'm an, on an onstage position as a volunteer doing the drums and blah, 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 
I want, need to embody the characteristics of that church organization and be a good example. Mm. If I'm like showing up to play drums, but I read my Bible like once a month and, you know, pray at mealtimes, but other than that, don't do it. If I just get lazy, not like trying to be malicious, but if I just get lazy, yeah, then I, I'm not really doing what I'm supposed to do and not really setting the example in the way I'm supposed to do it. So I focused more on my walk with God. A big part of this is thanks to the college try has gotten a lot more spiritual, as you can probably tell, mm-hmm. in the, like the, the second half of this year. So my conversations with Joe very much helped. Several others who know who they are, I've had good conversations with them. So kind of more atomic habits were introduced in the last half of the year to help with this. You know what? I'm going to read the Bible daily, like no matter what, with the goal to read the whole thing eventually. Mm -hmm. And I might not understand 100% of it, but I will make a good faith effort to understand as much as I can. I will make it through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbered, Deuteronomy, no matter what. Because I, there, the amount of times I've started in Genesis and like barely gotten to like the end of, you know, Exodus and like not even, I'm too tired by Deuteronomy and I'm like, eh, whatever. Or I think I've, I've died in the middle of Deuteronomy before. Yeah. <laughs> like I just, I don't finish it. I'm going to finish these five and get through the Old Testament no matter what. And I did. <laughs> so it's like Atomic Habits. If you read three chapters a day, you're going to get to the end of it. hey Now I'm in Judges and Joshua and so on and it's picking up and it's great. Nice. Right now I'm in First Samuel. It's oh, First Samuel's awesome. It's like Game of Thrones yep. uh, type stuff. Lots of behind the back plots to murder other people. It's pretty great. Yep. But man, Old Testament is violent as can be. Oh, I know. It's like these little kids aren't allowed to watch Game of Thrones. Uh, it's the Old Testament that's even more violent. Yep. <laughs> I was inspired by a kind of I think impromptu message with Joe, Jada, and Bill as the people. And I don't remember which one it was, or maybe it was all three, but Mm -hmm. the message kind of was like, focus more on scripture memorization to where it's like, if you're in a situation where you don't know what to do, you're not going to like be necessarily go and like get a Bible and look at this. So it's like, have those verses ready to go that are going to be helpful and then bring them back. Yep. So I was using spaced, something called spaced repetition, which is a, I might've talked about before, but like basically where you use this program and you go through them every day. The flashcard program I'm using called Anki, it only shows you the verses as much as you need to see them. So if it's like super easy, it shows them to you in like a month. And if it's super hard, it shows them to you in like the next minute. So you just keep hammering them home over and over. Got it. So I'm using some techniques to memorize different ones. I'm thinking like, even if I only memorize once a month, then I have 12 at the end of the year. So like it adds up. Or yep. if I do one a week, 52. So Or maybe any anything in between. So that definitely adds up. So I added that. And then I added uh, books by smart people like, you know, C.S. Lewis and so on. Yeah. Because there's a lot of smart people and I need to learn from them yeah. and make an effort. So in an interesting way, my walk with God kind of became the main thing, like the one singular atomic habit, mm. have a good relationship with God. And there, and I had different ways that I, I tried to do that. Yeah. So that was that was kind of one big thing that happened. And then the second big thing happened a little bit. I realized I had a lot more time than I thought. And I realized that, as you said, I was wasting so much time on things that didn't matter at all. Mm -hmm. I would do my school and then I would just be like, oh, let me watch YouTube for two hours. So I was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. I have things I want to do, but for some reason I get lazy and don't do them. I think this is the Enneagram 1 and the Enneagram 9 fighting against each other. As you said, like, it's so easy to just be on YouTube and waste three hours without even really even trying to. So I went back to the classical reference, Digital Minimalism, the book by Cal Newport. for Have you read that one, Joe? It's really good. No, I haven't. It's a true classic. I think everyone should read this. And I saw something in there I had not seen before. It was something that Joe's been doing for years. It was the idea of only checking text messages at certain times. I was like, that's actually not a bad idea. So I made it so that certain people can always get through, but also I only check like the main section with everybody at certain times. Now, anyone can still call me, and iOS 16 has made this a lot easier with all the settings. And if so, if it's an emergency, people could get to me if they had to. But for the most part, I just have certain times every day when I check text. Because there are certain days where I would have a like text in the morning, that would kind of derail my day where I'm like, oh, I, let me figure, try to figure it out for this person or whatever. And I just get super derailed. Yep. Or I'd be working on something, a message came in, and then I get derailed because I feel like I have to reply quickly, blah, blah, blah. So uh, anyway, I will now check 
it at certain times and not all the time. Mm-hmm. I will now do batch where I like, oh, I reply to three people at once and I'll still reply like within probably 12 hours, assuming it's not nighttime. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll try, try to get to you within the day at least. But it's like there are few, if it's an emergency, call me slash 911 because I can't be helpful most of the time. Yep. Or if it's not an emergency, I'll get to you within the day. And it's like, that should be pretty decent. Sure beats uh, sitting a letter at least. Yeah. So I did that. I'm tr- doing trying to do better batch listening to podcasts, like let the podcast build up and then listen to them, not just like have one going on all the time. Mm-hmm. Cutting back on YouTube, only having certain channels, not just like going to the home screen and clicking on random videos. That's like the worst thing ever. I need to avoid yep. that because I just waste, waste so much time. I felt like I'd failed because there was one night in my darkest hour when I was like watching YouTube shorts and like a lot of them were funny. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Then I like had to reevaluate my life decisions because YouTube <laughs> shorts are evil. They're like TikTok, but they are like TikTok. They're probably a bit better to be honest, but they're not. They're pretty close in badness in my head. Mm-hmm. And then once I cut some of those things out, I realized I had way more time than I thought to actually get stuff done. Mm-hmm. So and honestly, it's been a pretty good past three months to be honest for that reason. Yeah. So this year's theme is very simple. This will be the year of courage. My goal is to work hard and trust God in my final year of college. I want to get a job. I want to take my life serious. I want, seriously. I want to have the courage to keep up atomic habits that I've set in place even when I don't feel like it. I want to have the courage to say yes to what matters and no to what doesn't. And I want to have the courage to do what needs to be done in everything I do. This is the year of courage. I don't, I'm, I'm afraid of like what the, the big bad world has in store for me, but... I, I think I'll be fine. I'm probably overthinking most of this stuff. Yep. I just need to become an adult. Dumber people than me have become an adult. Let's do this. Mm. That's good. That's really good. Um, wow. Well, honestly, I'm, I'm excited to hear that goes um, because I think that that sounds really great. And I'm glad that all of that growth has happened and that you want to lean into it more in the, in the next year. So good for you, man. So... <laughs> I think that, I don't know, as I thought about it, so like this year was the year of presence and I feel like essentially it was about, it was about, you know, if I'm here, like I'm pulling myself out and I'm like right here, you know, I am placing my feet firmly in the present and I'm enjoying it for what it is to use a similar example, if I'm present now, I think what I want to do is learn how to trust that the Lord is taking me where he wants me to go. And I don't know, throw myself into that because this next year is going to be weird. Like it's going to be a crazy formative changing year where I'm no longer a student. I'm not in college. I am trying to figure out how to be an adult. Um, for the first time ever. And so I I think that for me it's it's just again it's important to learn how to trust the change when it happens. Um and it, it, there's a verse in Proverbs that I think might be my anthem for the year. Um many of the plans in a person's heart but but it's the Lord who establishes his steps or something like that. Um, there's a couple of different variations and proverbs of it, but that's like the vibe I want. I, I had the thought, well, I was either, I had a thought or I heard it in a sermon and I just regurgitated it when I was journaling, but like essentially there is nothing on earth that is worth keeping you out of like w- what you feel like you're called to, you know what I mean? Mm. Like if, if you feel like God is calling you somewhere and you're like, nope, 
Like there is nothing that's worth keeping you from what he has for you. Um, and so I think for me, it's like, I am scared to like not be a student anymore. And I'm scared to try and find a job and I'm scared of a lot of other things that I won't get into right now. But like, there's just a lot of things that are going to happen. And, and a lot of them are exciting. Like I'm, I'm excited to be an adult and graduate and get, you know, a, a job. But I think that um, overall, it's just going to be a crazy changing year where I have a lot of plans and they may or may not happen. And cause it's, it's the Lord who establishes my steps. And so I think that, I think that I might come up with a better name for it, but what I'm leaning towards right now is just a year of trust. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that, that is the best way to say it. Um, but again, that might, that might change. That might change like in the next couple of weeks when I, as I keep thinking about it, but I think just like in the, I've just been thinking about that a lot. Like, Things are, things are crazy different than they were four years ago. And I used to dwell on that a lot. And I feel like I've pulled myself out of that or like, I've just, I've kind of grown to the point where I'm in the present. I think I need to lean into the future and say, wherever I'm going, I I'm confident that God wants me there and that he's going to be with me as I get there. And when I'm there and as I move forward. Um, so yeah, I think just a year of trust that I am where I'm supposed to be. I'm moving towards where I'm supposed to be and that things are going to be okay. That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) That sounds very good. I am, this is a generic like Christian thing or whatever. I legitimately am praying for you. He will help you know where you need to go. I believe God will show you where you need to go. Yeah. Thanks, man. I, yeah, I appreciate that. And yeah, I mean like, again, I am like, it's, it's scary to think that I'll be in a new stage of life and I know it'll be hard, but I think like I'm excited because I can finally go out and do the things that I've been studying, you know, and, mm-hmm. and like, I'm excited to see how God can use that in my life. So we'll see. We'll see. And the podcast listeners will see. <laughs> they sure will. Well, I guess they'll hear, you know, they'll hear it they'll hear. many weeks after it's happened. There you go. Thank you everybody for listening to the December special episode and the last episode of 2022. May your 2023s be even better than your 2022. We, of course, would encourage you to watch the CGP Grey video about yearly themes. Bingo. Yes. And we would have had to get them in there somehow. Bingo. We would definitely recommend thinking about what your own yearly theme might be. What do you need to work on this year? Have that word guide you and figure out what you need to do to improve. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Or in Joe's case, to let God do his work. Exactly. Like, you need to get out of the way and yep. let God do his work. Yep. And not be... Not be uh, too self-centered, perhaps. Yep, that's the beauty of a theme. It can be as specific or as general as you need it to be. Thanks, everybody. Happy 2023! Woo!